This is a small scoop of sports hosted by Chris Molina and Jairo Gutierrez. What, 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 what? Welcome into the show. This was not Macklemore introducing the show. This is Chris Molina. Join with me, as always, is Jairo Gutierrez. Jairo, what's up today? How's it going? <laughs> I love it, bro. I, I love that <laughs> intro. Uh, it is not Macklemore. That's my boy, Chris. And yes, this is Jairo. I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm excited, again, to, to talk some sports. I think this is something that both of us look forward to, uh, whether it's weekly or bi-weekly or whatever. And um, there's some good stuff going on, dude. So uh, I- I'm ready to rock. What about you? How you how you doing today? It's a good day. Like I always say, it's always a good day to talk some sports, especially with what we have um, in store for the listeners. It's hard to It's hard to still picture that sports might actually be playing by the time you listen to this show. Like team sports, essentially, because, you know, we know golf's golf's going on and NASCAR and um, and UFC and stuff. But like team sports might actually be um, on the agenda. You might actually be listening to this when you're when you're watching some baseball. I hope that's not a big spoiler. But Heido, tell us tell the listeners what we have in store for them. You said it, dude. You said it. We've waited, I think, as long as we possibly could to not. Uh, try to jinx anything or, you know, uh, talk about things before they're actually happening. But uh, as of this recording, it looks like baseball, as you mentioned, is a go. So uh, we both, I think, done a little bit of a spoiler there. Today, we're going to be talking about um, a review of UFC 251 for the listeners um, that want to know who we both picked. Go back, listen to episode 41. Today, we're going to be talking about who actually won um, and how it went down and who we kind of see, um, you know, the winners, especially uh, fighting against in their next fight, what we think they should do. And then a preview of finally the Major League Baseball season, bro. So it is very unique. It is uh, the first time that I can remember. I don't know. You correct me that it's only been a 60 game season. Um, so it's going to be super interesting and I love it because we're going to have two different guests on today, um, to kind of give their predictions and talk about what's going to happen. So, all right, how you feeling, bro, about before we get into something else, what do you think about the season, bro? Being 60 games, you excited, you nervous, like, is it going to happen? What's the deal? I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Like you never know what's going to happen, especially if a player tests positive, um, is it is it like widespread amongst the team? Is it just isolated? You'll have you'll have to kind of hold your breath every time for every time something like that comes up. But um, as long as the players, you know, remain safe and smart and hopefully, hopefully we can get this thing going. It's going to be a sprint. A 60 game season is going to be a sprint. You're going to make the playoffs with like 37 wins. <laughs> 100%. Dude, different strategy as ever, right? Like, I mean, you're usually talking about 162 games. Now you're thinking we got to win every – of course, they're always thinking we got to win every night. But now, like you said, dude, it's like maybe you get to 37, 38, 40 would be, you know, I think a really good number. And you're like, we're going to do it. But, dude, you got to win a lot actually now. You're, you you got to get up there in W's. Yeah, there's no room for slides. There's no room for struggles. If you have like a six, seven game losing streak, that's going to 
that's going to be rough in a 60-game season. Exactly, dude. You better not be dropping two series in a row or whatever because literally that could maybe even bump you out of the playoff race. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited, and it's going to be definitely interesting to see uh, with the short season what happens and how it affects, you know, these different teams that usually maybe would make it with the full season. Maybe it gives other teams a chance. I don't know. Right, right, exactly. But um, stay tuned in a little little later in the episode for more on the 60-game season. First, though, we got to get into our cocktail mixer. Today, we are drafting our all-time favorite chips. That's potato chips, corn chips, etc. Just your favorites. Um, You know, you open a bag of chips, uh, whatever your favorite is. What we're going to do is we're going to do, like, flavors. So, like, if I say I want Fritos, I don't get all Fritos. I have to specify what flavor of Fritos that I want. Um, So, same as last episode, we have four rounds. We're taking turns. Um, it's going to be, uh, mine and then two of yours and then two of mine, just same as always. Yes, sir. And to be clear, uh, let's talk about last episode's results, <laughs> right? It was another good draft and, um, you said it today, you're going first. So that means that last draft I went, uh, first and what it was is another very fun draft and we did all time favorite cereals. So that was, um, again, a lot of fun. I didn't have, we, neither of us had any idea where we were going with that. Um, and we almost got a total of 50 voters um, across our social media. So it was, you know, pre- pretty interesting to see what people, uh, what lineup people liked and didn't like. And so the total percentage was uh, Chris, 40%, and myself, 60%. So I, uh. I know, dude, I know it, it's <laughs> tough, right? And again, I was going to say, bro, what about, so far, we have four drafts total, and the first overall pick has won all four drafts so far. So let's see when we break that. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, let's see <laughs> when we break that streak. If it's today, if it, whenever it is. But so far, for the series update, it's two to two. We're tied up, and it's very interesting, bro. So with that, all-time favorite cereals is in the rearview mirror. Let's get started. All-time favorite chips dude you are the number one overall pick looking to get uh the w again what do you what are you thinking here dude what i want to really know you know what your style is dude this is another interesting one that you can go literally any way yeah yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of pinpoint where you're going here as well but i'm glad i got the first pick i gotta go with my all-time favorite chip since i was a little kid I'm actually looking at a bag of chip, a bag of this style chips on my desk right now. <laughs> Might have to break it out for lunch, but um, it is hot Cheetos. I am going with hot Cheetos. So good, especially now that I could, well, when movies open, movie theaters open up again, go get me a bag of hot Cheeto popcorn. It, it, it enhances popcorn. It enhances, you know, uh, lunch sandwiches, and it's just a good snack. I love it. Real quick, you are you the original Hot Cheetos, or do you ever go with like the limon or anything like that, or you're just the OG Hot Cheeto? Yeah, it has to be OG Hot Cheetos here. Not not the biggest fan of lime or the extra hot Hot Cheetos. Just <laughs> give me the OG. 
and give me like three bags and I'll be good for the day. I like it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. And then, dude, good call on the popcorn. What about the, the Hot Cheetos popcorn? It's fire, dude. You could get a bag of those and you go through them Literally. pretty quick. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so you're looking at a bag right now, you said. So this is the snack of choice. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So you're up with the next two picks here. Okay. All right. So... For my number one pick, um, this is, I think, an old classic. Maybe I'm a little basic. I was thinking about it, but this is actually the bag that I almost always buy um, when I go to the store and I'm trying to restock. And it's just the Ruffles original, man. You know, the ones with, ah, yeah, with the crevice. The reason with that is I think about it, dude, you could eat this chip with any, any type of sauce. I don't know if you've ever tried the Dion's pizza, um, their, their Greek sauce. Bro, with these yeah. chips is fire. That is probably one of my favorites. Like if I just want to, you know, I'm chilling with a little couple of chips and I have a Greek, I'm just dipping in it all the time, bro. And then obviously you could add whatever else you want, a little bit of spice or whatever. But Ruffles Original is my number one. So you, you're going like, you're going dip and chip there. You just like <laughs> salsa or it, um, mm-hmm. like you said, the Greek dressing or maybe some French onion, stuff like that. Exactly, dude. Yeah, French onion dip is bomb too, especially for some fights or whatever. Get a bag and you're right. just chilling. I like that. Yes. Yeah, so very versatile. <laughs> exactly. Perfect description. I like the versatile chip, dude. So that's my number one. And number two, um, I think this is my substitution for your number one pick, I love these. This is uh, a bag that I pick up when I go to a gas station almost always, and it's hot fries, bro. I don't know if you've ever had okay. hot fries, but they are what I would like. My girlfriend, for example, she loves hot Cheetos, just like you. Uh, actually, she was nearby, and she's pointing at herself, uh, shaking her head. She's like, yes, that's me when you said hot Cheetos, and that's how I feel about hot fries, bro. Me and my sister, actually. Since we were small, we'd go to the gas station with my dad. What do you guys want? And he'd, we'd always pick hot fries, both of us, bro. So that's my number two hot fries. Where are you at now with year two and three? That was interesting. Yeah, I, I have tried hot fries. They're good. I mean, they still have that same kind of kick, same kind of spice. Um, but it's just, for me, they're not... They're not up there with hot Cheetos. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, respectable, respectable. That's why you got your lineup. I like it. <laughs> okay, so you went with the OG Ruffles, and then you went with some hot fries. So it's my turn now. I can't believe this still got back to me here. I thought one of your one of your two was going to be this one, but I got to go with Doritos Cool Ranch. Lock it in. Mm-hmm. Um uh, like you can even you can even eat it as a taco at Taco Bell. It's so good. <laughs> good call. <laughs> this is also uh, in the versatile uh, category, bro. I, let me tell you one thing right now. And I wonder. I don't know if I'm you know uh, playing my card too soon, but Doritos for me have never been uh, a top chip, dude. For if there was one though, it would be Cool Ranch. Actually, that if I could pick a Doritos, that's the one. But I'm not that big of a yeah, I'm not that big of a fan, dude. So but I, I I respect it and you're right, bro. Actually the Doritos Locos Taco, whichever one you pick, full ranch <laughs> or that, those are fire, bro. So I'm with it. I'm with it. Okay. Yeah. So good to know. Let me let me adjust my rankings right? here. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with my third pick, um, this one's kind of interesting. Um but my third favorite chip is definitely 
It's Ruffles as well, but it's Ruffles cheddar and sour cream. Have you ever had this style of chip before? Mm, bro, you that is on my list. I oh. what a good no, dude. That's a good one right there. Of course, I I love that pick. Yes. Yeah, it's so good. Like the the sour cream and then the and then the cheddar like flavors. Like it's a good combination for. Um, for a ruffle so that's I'll, I'll get a bag any day any day give me a bag of ruffles cheddar and sour cream mm, dude you know what <laughs> i respect it i'm a little hurt because i wanted that one on my lineup <laughs> um yes you're right dude that's another one even those small ones of course you could buy the bigger one but i feel like for me that's a gas station one you know what i'm saying oh I right right pick it up and wherever you're driving to whatever you just munch on it classic bro i like i said i'm a little hurt very good pick <laughs> now now that you mention it i don't know if i've ever actually bought a big bag mm-hmm. of uh <laughs> cheddar and sour cream it's always been the little bags on trips or um at the law school we used to have this like this cafe with little bags of chips and um cheddar and sour cream was always like once a week at least <laughs> <laughs> it's always in the rotation i love it yeah okay so that's uh one two and three now let me go with my final two i'll go three and four um my third one dude is lays chips but specifically the flaming hot so i guess i have two back okay back to back spices um these ones i i like laid bro in general but the flaming hot is another one that if I see at the store, bro, and I, I that one I will pick up. Actually, I've gotten my top three here, dude. So I'm kind of excited because I feel like when I go to the store, these are 100%. One of these three is what I pick up. So Flaming Hot. How you do lock you, them in. Exa- <laughs> they're locked in, dude. And it's just basically, what am I feeling today? Which one, which one have I not had in a minute? And that's what I pick <laughs> up, bro. That is interesting that you say that. Um, I've never, I think I have actually had had it before but it's it's one of the more um you have to be looking for it mm-hmm. otherwise you might like overlook it i like that that's a that's a good description and also dude you being that you like hot cheetos as much as you do i don't know if this one would ever pop up on the radar you know what i'm saying it's it's not where maybe you start off with a small bag like we said at the gas yeah. station <laughs> give it a try and we'll see what's up bro so um lace flaming hot is my third pick and to close out my lineup i'm gonna go with uh, Miss Vicky's salt and vinegar chips, bro. Mm, so nice pick. Yes, Miss Vicky's. I there's there's a couple. I also want to give a shout out to. I'm not sure. If, I I don't think I've ever seen them or as often over here. Um, it's a brand called Cape Cod Salt and Vinegar. Uh-huh. I I got that one when I lived in Boston. That was a big, uh, obviously a big company over there, and um, they're really bomb. But Miss Vicky's, especially when I'm at like uh Subway or something like that. It's always the good one, bro. So salt and vinegar, Miss Vicky's closes out my lineup. What about you? Do you feel salt and vinegar or are you not that big of a fan? Yeah, I do like salt and vinegar. I don't know if I've ever had the Miss Vicky's style, but like for like Pringles, mm. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've uh, stood like kind of far from Pringles here because I don't know how the general population feels about Pringles whether they consider them a chip or not. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Why? Is that is that something not considered or what? Because I have a Pringles on my list that I already obviously filled out my squad. <laughs> but what's the deal here? Pringles get doesn't get the love? No, no, no. Like people think Pringles are good, but they're like, oh, that's not a chip. Oh, that's not a, that's not like a, like a Lay's or a Doritos. That's like its own thing. So <laughs> its own category. People have very strong opinions about that. <laughs> okay, got you. Well, 
to the haters, I, I, I like Pringles a lot, actually. So, like I said, it, <laughs> there was one Pringle that was on my list. But, uh, I, okay, I love it. What are you what are you thinking here, bro, for your closeout? Uh, okay, so I still have a few on my list that I'm like, oh, I didn't know they would be here at the end. Um, uh, let's see here. I have I, – I think I'm going to lock this one in here. I'm going to lock in – um, the Lay's barbecue chips. Oof. I'm going with Lay's barbecue chips here. They're really good. Um, we have them all the time, especially for like when my parents are like grilling out. Um, you, there's always going to be a bag of Lay's barbecue chips, and they go good with a lot of things. So I'm gonna lock that in with my last pick here. Another one that was on my list, bro. I, 100%, I think this is a classic. And this is a barbecuing, obviously, no no pun intended. Literally, when you're grilling, barbecuing, whatever, you have a bag of, of these chips, you're ready to rock, bro. You're ready to talk to people, just chill, and grab, grub on some chips. I love it, dude. This this one feels like it could have been like five or six rounds because, like, chips, that's where it's at. Uh, agree there's so much to pick. get the healthy snacks out of our lives <laughs> <laughs> we have a an extensive list for the unhealthy snacks um dude, so what what did you not pick because obviously we only get four and four what were some that were still maybe top of mind that uh you know you weren't able to choose so i have here um doritos nacho cheese mm -hmm. i have lay's sour cream and onion um miss vicky's jalapeno <laughs> and fritos chili cheese nice okay i was wondering about fritos dude i was wondering if you would have any of them um obviously in new mexico frito pies are huge so that's what came to my yeah. mind but i don't know if i eat them by themselves personally you know what i'm saying it's one of those that you got to mix in with the chili and everything else so um right and then the chili the chili cheese, I never really buy those except for like when you buy that like variety pack of like exactly. small bags of chips. Yes, the one that comes with but a they're bunch good, of them. Though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it, dude. Well, we were I think kind of similar because you said you had the Lay's sour cream. I actually had the Lay's Limon um on my list. My sister really likes those. Yeah, those are bomb. Close to the original, right? The the just the regular, but you have a little bit of, of kick there. So I like those. And then Pringles original, like I said, bro. I've always liked Pringles. The shape of them, obviously, supposedly, you know, it fits perfectly on your tongue, this and that. I think that's just a marketing ploy, but <laughs> they are um, pretty bomb, dude. So, and then... Is that your... Go, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was going to say, is that your favorite kind of Pringle? I, I would go with the original, yeah. And then there's this, uh, I think it's extra hot. I guess I like the spicy chips now that I'm talking about my lineup. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, if, if there's one I could, I can only pick one Pringle. I go with the OG, dude. The original is, is bomb. Uh, what about you? Are you, a, you said you're a Pringles guy, and I think they should be considered chips. Yeah, yeah. Pringles are good. Um, my two favorites for Pringles all the, are the the sea salt and vinegar mm -hmm. and the uh, sour cream and onion. Those are my two top for Pringles. Dope, dope. I love it, dude. I love it. And the Miss Vicky's jalapeno, good call on that as well. That one was uh, actually ninth on my list, so I would have maybe been able to if we would have gone all the way through we see what's up but it was tough to, to yeah. pick that over the uh the salt and vinegar so uh let me read off my lineup bro and then you could read off yours so our listeners could get a you know a good picture of what we got i went with ruffles originals hot fries lays flaming hot and then miss vicky's salt and vinegar 
Okay, and then I went with Hot Cheetos. I went with Doritos Cool Ranch, Ruffles, Cheddar, and Sour Cream. And I closed out with the Lay's Barbecue Chips. Money. All right, it's going to be, I think, another good one, dude. Let's see if the uh, the number one overall pick keeps the streak going and gets another W. Right now, like we said, at the top, we're tied 2-2, two to two, so it'll be interesting. And we appreciate everyone that votes, right? I think we're getting a pretty good turnout on it. And uh, hopefully people are enjoying these different different types of, uh, of polls, right? As opposed to just sports ones. Exactly. I, I do think we're getting a good uh, good percentage of voters. There are still some people that look at the poll and they're like, oh, I can't decide. I'll, uh, I'll abstain from voting. But that's all good. That uh, We appreciate you even looking at our poll story. And we'll continue to do this fun um, cocktail mixer style draft. For the foreseeable future, because I have a lot of fun. I think our listeners also have a lot of fun, the ones that engage with it. But for now, it's time to transition into the UFC. Let's talk some UFC 251. So on the last episode, we actually gave our predictions for four of the five um, cards on the main event. If you want to see how we did on our predictions, go back and go back and take a little listen. I think you might find one of us went four and zero. No spoilers there though. Um, <laughs> but uh, UFC fifty one, it was on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. It was the first card out of three in Abu Dhabi. And what a card it was. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the results a little bit, how we felt about each fight, and who we think we should be next for the for the, each fighter. Before we get into our first, or to the four fights we called, one thing we didn't talk about was the Amanda Ribas and Paige Van Zant fight. Um, real quick, what did you think about that one? Yeah, dude, uh, you said it. We didn't really talk about it, um, but... It was another great performance by uh, Ribas, man. She she's on a streak, dude. I think now that makes her ten and one. Um, it was Paige Van Zant's last fight on her contract with the UFC, and I, dude, I think she needed to really put a, if if she didn't win, she needed to put on a good performance to show her worth. And unfortunately, it went pretty much the opposite. You know, she she got worked. I think what was, was it like? Yeah, dude, like <laughs> two minutes. Um, she was submitted and. Uh, it's not looking good for her, dude. But I will say uh, Ribas is looking um, fire, dude. 10 and 1, and she's looking like a really strong um, competitor there at 125 or at 115. We'll see what's up. What did you think about her? Yeah, she put on a clinic. That arm bar was, um, was great to watch. Like, you couldn't have done that any better. And then, like you said, yeah, this fight was at 125. And um, after the fight, she comes out and she says, she doesn't like having that extra weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's going to fight at 115. Um, so that's the that's the big um, division with uh, Thug Rose and Jessica Andrade and Joanna. And she's she's still down there. And of course, the uh, of course, the champ. Um, I can't say her name, though. Yeah, Zhang Weili. Zhang Weili. Um She's down there at the number 12 ranked contender, though. But before we get into uh, Thug Rose and Andrade, um, do you see her fighting 
um, a top three contender within the next year? Within the next year, I think that is uh, a fair question. I think it's very possible. Um, maybe get one or two more, especially dude, if, if their performance is kind of like this one against Paige, where it's quick work, like she sustained no damage at all. You know, I don't see what she can't um, perform, like I said, at least three times a year. Maybe um, next get someone like um, the Karate Hottie and Michelle Watterson, who's ranked at eighth, or Carla Spars at seventh, kind of somewhere in that range. And if she keeps with her streak, like we said, 10 and one keeps adding to that. I don't see why in a year people aren't saying like, damn, this girl came up and she's been beating some big names and now she maybe should get a, maybe not a title shot, but close to it. And then obviously if you win there, you almost can't be denied to get a title shot. You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. I think that sums it up nicely. Um, Carla Esparza, or maybe even as high as Tatiana Suarez. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot of different options. Uh, for the UFC here because she's only 24 years old so she's hopefully she's got a long uh career ahead of her but I think she's the next big name in a woman's uh UFC but let's transition to the next card here so there was a three-round battle between Thug Rose Namayunas and Jessica Andrade the scores were 29-28 for Thug Rose two of the three judges voted for her 29-28 and then 29-28 for Andrade so it was a split decision um, I'll, uh, I don't know. I think Rose deserved the W, but I'll be honest here. I, I text you during that third round and I'm like the pa- <laughs> the internet went out. So I didn't get to see that third round where Andrade apparently got, uh, her onslaught and got that, got that third round. Um, what did you think? Do you think Rose deserved the win? Because the first two I thought were two zero Rose. Dude, 100%. You did miss the the round that made it pretty even. <laughs> and I know we were texting and I was like, at least, bro, you didn't miss it. Say it didn't happen in the main event or co-main or something like that. Not that, you know, this was a good fight. But at that point, it seemed like 2-0 uh, rose for sure. It was on the judges' scorecards. But, dude, the third round, Andrade came out swinging, dude. She knew, you know, she knew that, hey, dude, I'm probably down 2-0. I probably need to get a KO. And, dude, she got close. Like, Rose was in trouble. I'd say if it was another two two minutes or so in the round, it could have been literally uh, game time. She messed up uh, Rose's eye and all of that. But, I mean, Rose uh, hung in there tough, and she got the W because of those first two rounds. So, I think Rose did deserve the win. Um, I just think that Andrade is a B student. She, she was close to ending her. So, um, we'll see what's good there. I would say, dude, that for, for Thug Rose, she came back and she looked really, really good, especially in those first two rounds. And I don't really know, dude, right now at this point. I mean, she beat Joanna Young, Young um twice. Obviously, she's ranked third, Joanna. And Rose is one, dude. I think at this point, the UFC would be smart to uh, put her in the title shot against Zhang Wei Li. If they don't do that, maybe they do the rematch with Joanna and Wei Li, which was a fight of the year contender this, earlier this <laughs> year. What a battle. Um, and I don't think anyone would be mad to say, hey, run that back. But with Rose coming back, getting the W now, I think you got to strike while the iron's hot. I would do that um, championship battle with, with Wei Li. What are you thinking, dude? What are you thinking would, would be best for Rose now that she's back in the W? Um, it's either... It's either that or run it back with a trilogy, um, considering uh, in the first fight, Andrade body slammed her and cold knocked her out. True. Um, 
And then this one was a split decision. So Andrade is probably like, hey, I deserve a third fight here. Um, do you think do you think it's in the UFC's best interest to run it back for a trilogy or to have Rose fight uh Zhang Wei Li? Yeah, I I think for the UFC's purposes, dude, it's probably better for them to do the title shot now, like I said, because what if they run it back and Andrade beats her again? It's like they've had good fights. Um, she did KO her with that nasty body slam, which was kind of wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is but, wild. You know, it was, it was a crazy end to that fight. But like I said, Rose, I think, is a bigger name than Andrade and putting her for the title. What if they have a battle and then they say, let's run it back. And now you kind of have the championship there in the um, strawweight division, you know, getting battled by two huge names. I think that would be more of the interest. But fair is fair. And it wouldn't be crazy to say Andrade run it a third time because you guys had two really good fights um, so far. So what do you think? Do you think it's more in the, their favor to do with, with Whaley? Um, it's interesting because, um, I think even if it's on the same card, could you imagine, um, uh, Whaley and Joanna running it back and then like Rose and Jessica running it back on that same card as well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why they don't do that more often. Yeah, that's very, that's a good point. I think they try to mix it up, dude. So that way you have really good fights on different cards, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I don't know if it, you kind of can make a mini tournament in one night and right. see what's up. You know, winners even, and then you could even do losers. Dude, losers fight against each other, and it is what it is. Another one, um, Joanna beat Andrade, dude, in, uh, let's see here, in 2017. What if they did Rose and Wei Li championship bout, and then you got Joanna and Andrade, the two losers, fighting each other, and then you could go winner, winner, something like that. You know, I think there's different ways that you could kind of go about it to make a mini tournament amongst them four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I get it. Like they do want to mix it up and spread it out amongst cards, but every once in a while, it'd be pretty cool to see like, to see like a, um, a division, like the straw weight division have like two, two fights on the card or, um, like welterweight, um, which, you know, we'll get into here in a minute, but there's a lot of good fighters in welterweight lightweight, lightweight would be interesting too. But yeah, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they decide to move on. I don't think anyone would be mad about any of them for fighting each other, dude, because they they could all throw down. So, um, with that, we'll move on to the third fight, which was the first one of um the championship bouts. It was um now a new bantamweight champion of the world, and Mister Piotr Jan. He's fifteen and one. He ends up finishing the legend Jose Aldo in the fifth round. The ref stopped it because it was pretty clear at that point that Aldo was just not responding. He was pretty much just trying to cover up and survive. Um, and so he stopped it. What did you think of this one, dude? What did you think of Jan and kind of – and Aldo as well, dude. Like overall, what did you think of the fight? We have a new champ with Mr. Triple C, Henry Cejudo, being salty and tweeting right away uh, <laughs> about the champ. So what, what did you think? He's only the cringe champ now. <laughs> exactly, for sure. Um... He keeps that title, no doubt, dude. <laughs> Yeah. So the first three rounds are pretty even, to be honest. I think it was a really good fight. And then Jan started to turn it on in the fourth round. Um, Aldo was lucky to survive that fourth round. And then that fifth round is, you know, when he kind of turtled up and uh, he was just, you know, he gave up his back and he was just getting wailed on. Mm -hmm. Like this is one, this is one time that 
by the time the uh, referee stopped it, like, like you, there's no controversy here about like, um, like, oh, you should have kept going, yada yada yada. Um, but more, it's more now. It's more like, oh, why'd you let it continue on for so long? <laughs> you sh- Aldo was just getting destroyed in that fifth round, and I think. I think he should call it. I don't know about you, but I think Aldo should call it a career at this point. Um, he was the he was the champ for so long, but it's it's looking bad for him these days. Like he's he lost to Marais, he's lost to he's lost to Jan, he's lost to Volkanovski. Um, his last win came in February of 2019 against Moicano. Is that mm-hmm. how you say, pronounce mm-hmm. his name? Yes. Um, and he beat Jeremy Stevens, but before that, I mean, he lost to he lost to Holloway twice, um, and then McGregor was in 2015. So he's lost a lot of fights in his last five years. Hey, dude, perfect. I actually have it here. He is since losing to McGregor, dude, which was December of 2015. Yeah, we know he got KO'd in 13 seconds. Um, he's gone three and six since then, dude, and he's lost by. K-O-T-K or slash T-K-O in four of those six losses. So, you know what? I, I'm with you, dude. I don't know if at this point it's um smart. I, look, he's a warrior. He's still not that old, dude. I mean, he's 33. Yeah, he's fairly young. Yeah, he's 33. He's just fought for a long time. Um, I I don't know which division is better for him, dude. I don't know if 135 or 145 because he was, you know, the champ for one, at 145 so long. And now he goes to 135 thinking he can carry the power and make the weight. And he has. But what you said, dude, I think the first three rounds, very competitive. It was a fun fight. I don't know if those extra 10 pounds of cutting weight end up affecting him. Because after the third dude in the fourth, you know, he he's he's looking a little bit gassed. I think he ends up um, gassing out. The fourth, he survived. And then the fifth was just um, – the ref could even stopped it like, like a minute earlier, to be honest. Like, you know, he was getting – work when he was in that turtle position so i want to see what what he decides to do dude but talking about yan man yan is a beast bro the guy is literally uh he can go for five rounds hard from what i saw here he's a young dude um and i want to see how long he can uh be the champion of this division because i think he could really carry it for a while uh him and henry would be fun to see honestly i think that would be a really competitive fight and for me I know Marlon Moraes is ranked number one, dude. But like we spoke about in last episode, I think Aljamain Sterling with the, the, the funk mo- yeah, with the funk master, with the momentum that he has after uh, finishing Sanhagen in the first, I would. That's the fight that I would pick right now for Jan to defend uh, as his first bout defending the the championship. And if not, dude, my actually my alternative would actually be your boy, uh, Nola. Cody Garbrandt is now ranked number three um, in the division. Why not? After that KO, he's got some momentum back again. What if he were to dethrone Jan and just be the champ? I think it'd be a great story, not only for him, but for the UFC and for the bantamweight division. So what do you think? What do you see happening to Jan or what should he do moving forward? And, and we'll see what happens with Aldo. Yeah, um, I do. I do like that fight against the Funk Master um, or, or no love, like, and then one of them could fight Marais. This is another division that'd be interesting to have mm-hmm. see the top three contenders and the champ all battle it out. Um, it would be interesting too with No Love. Like, it, let's say he did fight Jan and he won, 
how quick before we saw TJ Dillashaw start tweeting. <laughs> Is he exactly. still suspended? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think he's almost done with it, but I'm sure he's itching now. And if he sees him win, dude, we already know what uh, they have uh, history-wise. And it could Bad really blood. be exactly, <laughs> oh, let me get back at it, bro. I haven't fought in two years. I'll beat you right away, blah, blah, blah. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out. But great point as well, dude. Those top four can really throw down how whatever way. It doesn't really matter. And I think we would all enjoy it, including Sanhagen, who's ranked fourth. So that'll make five. All, all five of those guys um, would be fun to watch against each other. Agreed. Agreed. And it looks like this division is going to be fun to watch for the next few years, at least with mm-hmm. some, some young up and comers. One of them holding the uh, the belt. How old is Jan? Uh, I think he just turned 27, dude. So he's one of the younger champs in <laughs> UFC history, I believe. Correct, dude. So he's he's right there primed. I think that was one of the things that he himself said, like um, Aldo's a legend, but he's a little over the hill in, in some respects. And I'm young, ready to, to fight. So, yeah, dude, he's 27. He doesn't turn 28 until next February. So he, he could defend once, maybe even twice before his 28th birthday, which would be pretty cool. That would be cool, yeah. Um, but let's transition now to the co-main event. Alexander Volkanovsky pulled off back-to-back victories against Max Blessed Holloway. Um, the scores here, it was another split decision on this card. Two judges had it 48-47 for Volkanovsky, with one judge having it 48-47 for Max Holloway. What were your thoughts on this fight? Because this was the most controversial fight out of all five of them. So, so what's good? What did you think? Bro, this fight, first of <laughs> all, really good fight, okay? that There's no disputing here. I want to start off by saying that um, people that were saying that it was a robbery for Volkanovski, no way. I think that is a, a big mistake. There's no way you should be categorizing that decision as a robbery. With that being said, I do think Blessed should have gotten the W, dude. I think if you watch this fight from start to finish, overall, Max did more damage and he fought a better fight. I mean, look, it came down and we talked about it. It came down to the third round because on all three judges' scorecards, one and two were Max. So it was 2-0 heading into the third. And then four and five were Volkanovski for all three judges. It was the same. In the third round, it was a close round. I think Max did just enough to get the the round there and should have won this fight dude making this uh rivalry you could say one-to-one hopefully heading into a third one it's tough that you know Volkanovski got it now it's 2-0 I wonder where they kind of go with it if they say Max should have won because even Dana for example Dana White was criticizing the the judges saying we've had some issues here already with with some of the judges it should have been Max's fight um so I don't know, dude. I really wish Max would have won because I think he deserved it and it would have made it one-to-one to say, let's go finish this up with that third one, dude. What did you think about it? I think um, right there sums up exactly why Dana White was so upset um, because he doesn't get his trilogy fight mm-hmm. here. Like, let's say let's say Max won three to two. And people thought it should have been Volkanovski who should have got the W. Basically a reverse. Um, do you think Dana White would have said anything at all? Nope. He would have been already touting the touting the third fight, you know, settle it, settle it in the ring, but it didn't go his way. Um, but with that being said, I do think it was so close. Like Holloway owned the first two rounds, no doubt about it. 
And then I think Volkanovski took home the championship rounds, which which made it two to two. And like I don't like the third round was close enough to where I also don't consider it a robbery one way or the other. Like if you want to say Holloway won, yeah, that's fine. Like when we were texting, it was like two zero Holloway, and it's like, okay, now it's either three zero Holloway or two one <laughs> Holloway. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and um, dude, the judges yeah. were the same way actually. You know, in the moment it was like one did go three zero, and the other ones went two one. So it, actually, it, it split right. Uh huh. I I believe all three judges had the third round to uh, Volkanovski, if I read that correctly, and then the one judge that had the decision for Holloway, had Holloway getting the fifth round, which I didn't quite understand. Let me, okay, so so we'll go with that. Who would you, I'll, I'll look that up now because I had thought that it was uh, unanimous, but in like a four and five and then one and two. Let me see here. Uh, Holloway, 10-9. Oh, wow, you're right, actually, dude. I, I can't believe they would give him. That's weird, right? That doesn't make – oh, no, actually, you know what, dude? I am looking at number uh, – fight number one. So, real quick, before I find this, where, yeah. where do you see them going in the future here? Because now, dude, that's a tough part. And you're right. Dana was probably hurt because, dude, Max is one of the <laughs> most popular fighters. Right. Um, he's very popular. You know, people love him, and they they – want to support him win or lose but at this point you got the champ he's ranked number one contender but you've lost to him twice technically you know if, if people want to say he won this one but literally it's a loss on the record so it's tough dude where where do you kind of go and actually before you answer you are correct sir um one of the judges that had it the guy that had a 48 47 gave it to max I, I don't understand that actually but he gave volkanovsky three and four so <laughs> it, it, I don't know about that one, dude. I don't know. The fifth, I think four and five and one and two were so clearly one way or the other. You know what I mean? I should have right. been the third round that was iffy. So kind of interesting now that we look at it here. Um, but it looks like two about two-thirds of, of uh, media scores were for Holloway, 48-47, and about one-third was Volkanovski. So, dude, like I said, it was just, uh, you know, really close fight that I don't think you can argue either way or be mad at it because these guys threw down a, a great fight. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so who's next for Volkanovski? Do we, do we put, uh, the number two contender in the feather in the featherweight division against him? Um, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna butcher his no, his last name. But you're good. It. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Zabi <laughs> Magomed Sharipov, bro. Yeah, Z- Magomed Sharipov. Yeah, I gotta say that like five times fast to get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with it. Do, do you think he gets it, bro, or what? What what should they do? Because man, it's tough now. He's 18 and one. Uh, I mean, other than Brian Ortega, who hasn't done anything in a while now like let me look at his last fight i believe that's a fight where he broke his jaw if i'm not mistaken yeah that's i believe it look it up but i think it was um yeah where holloway, holloway broke his jaw him. right mm-hmm. he he hasn't fought yeah. since if i'm not mistaken right which is almost yeah, two it's years been almost two yep yep <laughs> december 2018 it was that fight so he hasn't done anything since so like do you have him go up against uh volkanovsky do you have him going up against Zabit to like see who will take take down volkanovsky well not take down but take on volkanovsky 
Yeah, it's dude. At this point, I'm not sure if you were aware, but when they what about you, the... you they yeah they went to South Korea, bro, UFC, and um Chan Sung Jung, who's uh, the Korean zombie, and the Korean zombie. Yeah, so they him and Ortega were supposed to fight, and they were gonna main event that card, and Ortega uh got injured right before, and Frankie Edgar took the fight, and Korean zombie ends up beating Edgar. So I would, you know, right now, dude, they still are talking smack to each other, Ortega and Korean Zombie um, on social media. I would do them, you know, their fight because they were scheduled to fight. And I think, bro, Zabit, I mean, I think he's still a little young. He hasn't fought as many, like, elite fighters, but he's ranked number two. So you can't really argue against it. You know what I mean? And I, why not put him against Volkanovski? Let him see what, what happens um, in that fight do Ortega and Korean Zombie, and then from there, maybe you get the next contender. Well, maybe Holloway, what do you think, bro? Maybe Yair Rodriguez, number five, Calvin Cater, who just won this weekend. What do you think there? Uh, yeah, I think Holloway is the more difficult one here mm-hmm. to, to place. Like, Volkanovski can, you know, he can fight Zabit, he can fight Ortega, um, maybe not the Korean Zombie yet, unless the Korean Zombie takes down someone above him. Um, but like, does Holloway move up to lightweight? Uh, I believe he's fought at lightweight, right? Or did against Poye, but yeah, yeah, or was that Poye fighting it at Feather? No, he he moved up to actually challenge um Poye, and uh, he he just couldn't get it. You know, it's tough, dude, because I think Holloway is just a little bit too small to compete against those big dogs. You know what I mean? Um, in 155, they're just a little bit bigger of a frame um, than he is. He fought a valiant fight, but Poirier clearly won that one. Dude, what about, actually, I hadn't even thought, what if him and McGregor threw down? Um, they th- That would be a big money fight, and Connor's yep. not a big, I mean, he was a 145 champ. You know what I mean? So it's not like Connor would be at hugely um, advantageous when you talk to weight. Right, right. I mean, Connor had the belt in featherweight mm-hmm. and um, and lightweight too for a minute. So, like, that would be an interesting fight. Uh, they could, you know, big money fight, like you said. That would that would probably rival one of the highest selling pay per views, to be honest. Because Holloway has a big following, McGregor has a big following, and then McGregor has a big following that root against him every fight. So exactly, if you're watching one way or another, you're probably gonna watch McGregor and then Holloway, dude. So I don't know, man. We're gonna see what the UFC decides to do. Um, before we move on to the main event, just want to ask you, what are you? What would be your thoughts? I don't know if you've seen the King of Cringe, Triple C, Henry oh, yeah. Saludo talking <laughs> smack to Volkanovski online, saying, uh, you know, I'm gonna go up and whoop you and take your belt, which would kind of be kind of dope, dude, because there's never been a three-division world champion. What if Henry came up and fought Volkanovski? What are your thoughts on that? Would that be something that interests you, or you're just like, cringe, kick back, dog, chill out for a little bit? He was also talking smack about Jan, too, like calling him ugly and stuff. Like, dude, this is WWE. (laughs) 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 This is in WWE, but yeah, that would be a good fight to... um, that would definitely make it worth it for Sayudo to come out of retirement because that would be a good money fight as well, whether it's the main event or the co-main or, you know, it's a card like this one where it's the third fight. Um, but like other than Volkanovski or Jan, I don't see, I, I don't see Sayudo coming back anytime soon. He's, you know, just 
just chill, you know, play your shuffleboard and, you know, <laughs> keep being cringy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, it's true. I just wanted to get your opinion. It'll be interesting to see where they move forward with this one. But Volkanovski retains his title and he is still the featherweight champ, dude. So we'll see what's good there now. For the main event, dude, the fight that I think everyone was looking forward to, um, Kumaru, the Nigerian nightmare, Usman, dominates Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. The scores were 50-45 to 45 twice and 49-46 once. So what did you think of this, dude? And I got to ask you, do you think a full training camp from Jorge would make a difference um, in if they were to run it back in the rematch? Yeah, I did see Masvidal was demanding an immediate rematch here. Um, I do think they would have made somewhat of a difference. Um, Masvidal wouldn't have burnt out so quickly. like um, Because that's Usman's game. He's going to wear you out. He's going to take away your strengths. Like People are like, oh, snoozeman. Or, uh, you know, commenting about how like he's stomping on toes and stuff. But like that to me just seems like people just want uh, like like a Masvidal McGregor fight where they just go in you know just trade blows until someone gets knocked out like that's not what MMA is mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's so many different styles I really like watching Usman fight because he dominated that fight um the first round was a little interesting because um it was ma- it was fought mainly on the feet and Masvidal got some good licks in Usman kept ducking his head to the right, um, which is interesting for a potential rematch. But on the other side, if Usman had a full training camp for Masvidal, do you think that would have been, made a difference? Because he was training for Burns that entire time. Yeah, the, those are all great points. I think, uh, first of all, Usman, that is his style. You're right, dude. For people that think that these champions just have to go in there and throw hands until someone gets you know, knocked out cold, is dominating and I think he showed his versatility again because if you remember against Colby in December they didn't wrestle at all both of the guys are wrestlers and they just threw hands until he knocked him out in the fifth round he knocked out Colby Covington um and then in this one I I think it would help Usman even a little more to have this training camp focus only on Masvidal but Masvidal's gas tank would be much much um better if he were to train, you know, for a fight, like, of course, he was in shape, but it, it's different to be in normal shape, I think, and training than being ready to go 25 minutes in a championship bout um, against Usman. And I will say I was pleasantly surprised, I would say, at Jorge's takedown defense, dude. I think um, yeah, Usman, yeah, you know, was, he, what, five for eight for 13 or something like that on takedown defenses exactly dude against a guy that is uh known to be obviously his his strength is wrestling that was pretty impressive to see and i think as you get you know more tired it obviously gets harder where if he was fully prepared that would be even better and maybe it forces uzman in the rematch let's say to have to box a a little bit more which is to hold his advantage because in that first round he definitely got some good licks on him um didn't do much but you don't know if that happens in rounds four and five when they're a little bit more tired, if it makes a difference. Another thing, dude, that gets me to lean towards maybe a rematch will happen. Bro, they was reported that the the pay-per-view sold 1.3 million pay-per-view buys. Um, that would tie it for the fourth highest UFC selling pay-per-view of all time. And I think that is clearly 100% 
because of Jorge Masvidal. If this would have been the original Usman versus Burns fight, they had, the, the card was stacked, but it would have been nowhere near that kind of number. You know, I think maybe 700 would have been a pleasant number, and that's still a lot, but Usman isn't really a draw. So my point here is Jorge can sell, dude. And if he says, I'm ready to go again, give me now a full training camp, which he didn't have, you know, that we can't deny that. I think that maybe says, run it back, bro. You guys just sold 1.3. Maybe the rematch does more than a mil again, which is extremely successful. Um, so what do you think here? What should they do next, bro? Should they run it back? Or who do you see each of them fighting next? Um, real quick about the takedown defenses. He was actually 8 for 11 before that fifth round where there you go. Usman, mm-hmm. Usman had two takedowns kind of just uh, locking him up most of the round so he mm-hmm. didn't have that like that last flurry to try and knock him out or anything uh, but it's interesting I think Usman I think Usman may not be as big of a draw as he was before this fight because of how many people don't like the way he fights so if he's going up against someone like Gilbert Burns uh, no disrespect to Burns but I think that's going to have to be like a co-main or um, it's going to have to be like another stack card like this one. But if he's going up against Moss at all, like you said, that's going to be another big pay-per-view sale. Um, it's interesting because I know, I know Leon Edwards has been talking. He's been talking on Twitter too. Um, this is another division where the top, the top four contenders plus the champ, let's throw Tyron Woodley out of there. And then um, Steven Thompson, uh, Wonder Boy at six there's some there's some moves to be made here. There's some fights to be had. Like what what else do you see potentially going down in this division? I would say, dude, that Burns being the number one contender, I wouldn't mind seeing him against Usman next, simply because Burns, well, he's uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think like uh, on an eight fight winning streak, something like that. Um, and he had the title shot, unfortunately, not because of his doing. COVID-19, bro, took that title shot away, you know? So I think he's a well-rounded fighter who would give Usman a good fight. Is that a big draw? I, I agree with you. It is not. But you could put it on with someone else, and it would be a good, a really good fight that I would be very interested in seeing. Um, And then for Jorge, dude, I don't think it's smart to go right away back into the rematch because if he loses again and the same way in kind of dominating fashion, which is very possible, dude, Usman is a beast. You lose a lot of steam um, in doing so. I would like to see Jorge fight Covington, actually. Him and Covington have a lot of personal um, beef. Covington and him both trained at the same gym in Florida, American top team. And Covington just left the, the gym, actually, because of the beef that he has with everyone. He's always talking smack. Joanna Jacek uh, works out there as well. Different fighters, Dustin Poirier. And so everyone hated him. He's now gone. It would be really cool to watch them fight because obviously both of them can throw down. Um, And then it would be personal. I would like that fight next. Give me Burns Usman next. And if they both happen to win there, then you can go to Usman. If Covington wins, then you could do the rematch against Usman. You know what I mean? So it kind of sets it up there. Leon Edwards, unfortunately, kind of gets left out of here. Maybe you put him against... Tyron Woodley, who he was originally supposed to fight as well before COVID until Gilbert Burns went in there and dominated Woodley. So I think that would probably be my my optimal way of, of working out the welterweight division. What do you think? 
Yeah, um, you make a good point about Masvidal. If he goes down again, uh, I don't know if he gets another title shot like mm-hmm. in his career because hey, this is a this is a journeyman fighter who's uh, fought now forty nine times, and yep. <laughs> this was his biggest fight since two thousand and nine. So, like before before his flying knee to Askren. Um, like he knocked out Darren Till, but like Wonderboy Thompson beat him, Damon Maia beat him, um, and then before that, like he wasn't fighting big fighters. You know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. He was just one of one of the contenders. It wasn't a contender. He was just like just another name on the list. So like if he if he doesn't if he doesn't lose. That's one thing, but if he takes that fight and he loses again, I think his draw kind of disappears unless he takes a McGregor fight. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's it's a, a very fragile situation. Um, or you mentioned it at the end, dude. Or why not do McGregor? Maybe even at a catchweight UFC, bro. That would probably be the highest selling UFC pay per view of all time at this point. To be honest, um, I think yeah. two point four is what Khabib and Connor did, which is a lot. But Jorge and Connor, dude, the, imagine the trash talk leading up to that and the actual fight. They can both really throw down on their feet. I don't think either of them would want to wrestle. It would be really fun to watch. Why not do that right now if you're Jorge? And again, strike while the iron is hot before you lose maybe once or twice more. And you mentioned it, dude. You probably will not get another title shot at this uh, point in your career. Yeah, like throw that Masvidal and McGregor as the main event with like, um, Zhangwei Lee again, uh, and uh, contender for the strawweight, you know, maybe, maybe Jan and uh, the funk master on the card as well, something like that. That would be a huge, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, you're right, dude. Three big fights, maybe the other two would be decent up and comers, bro. You're talking about two million pay per view sales right there, I would say, if Easy. you had those three fights, yeah, which is crazy. And you know, UFC is all about that, why wouldn't they be so? I like it, bro. Maybe, hey, maybe we should be the matchmakers. <laughs> <laughs> where do we, where do we submit our application, Dana? <laughs> exactly, um, bro. So I love it. Yeah, man. It was, it was a good card either way. However, it went down. It was, it was really fun. So, um, before we transition to baseball, we'll have another, we'll have another, um, another, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Segment. Uh, there it is. Um, to before the uh, UFC 252 and uh, Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier are fighting about a month from now on Saturday, August 15th. I am pleased to welcome our guest who is making his first appearance on the Small Scoop of Sports podcast, Julian Golarty. Julian, uh, thank you for joining the show, first of all. And uh, just so the listeners know, you're joining us to talk some baseball. What a crazy last two months in baseball. Uh, We're going to talk about what a 60-game season means, and we're going to talk about some predictions on how this season might go down. So for the listeners, Julian is a big-time Yankees fan. 
and is one of the most knowledgeable people I know on Twitter. He has his own podcast too. So Julian, let the listeners know a little bit more about you, about your podcast and where they can find you on Twitter. Twitter is Julian Gilardi one is my handle. Grunt Talks team MLB is where you find our Grunt Talks company, which is what we're building. It's me, Bobby, and Darren Klein. It's the three of us and that. Bobby's my partner with the podcast and co-host, obviously. We might get him to join in here right now, actually. But um, that's where you basically find us. Apple Music and Spotify's GT Sports Talk. And then YouTube is Grunt Talks MLB. And Instagram is Grunt Talks Team. My personal Instagram is Julian Gordy 11. So that's the best way to find me. Awesome. Awesome. And like I said, thanks for joining in. You ready to talk some baseball? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been chomping at the bit. I mean, finally going to get some real games, hopefully. Hopefully the Yankees can play tomorrow. I know the weather in D.C. is a big problem, of course, just the way this year rolls, unfortunately. But my friend in D.C. says he thinks they'll play, so hopefully he's right. So, Julian, with that, first of all, I also want to welcome you in, man. Glad to have you um, joining us for this baseball preview. And like you just mentioned it, bro, you know, I think uh, we can start off by, first of all, hoping that everything goes as smooth, you know, as we can hope for, considering it is 2020 and this season, I mean, this whole year is out of whack. So, um, you know, I think we can start, bro, by uh, why don't you give the listeners kind of a general picture of what has happened with baseball since it shut down in March due to COVID-19. Give, you know, let us know what has oh, gone Oh, man, this is just a whirlwind right now. Like and that. there's still stuff going on now that has me upset, too. But... So, like, at first in March, the players and owners came to an agreement, and the players were thought that they'd get 100% prorated salaries, basically, in the amount of games they played. Then the owners were under were going to be in the stands by the time they came back. But neither of those things were true. That's why you saw all the bickering going back and forth between the two sides, and it was just a nightmare. Then Manford has to force the season. There was like almost maybe five or six proposals in total, probably three from each side that kept getting denied. I thought the players might accept like, I think the last one was around like 60-ish games. I think it was more than 60. They were going to propose like 65 or 70 or something, but like it just didn't happen. The players didn't want to give in, the, and the Manford had to force the season. Now the reason I'm upset now is because now they're talking about expansive playoffs on the eve of the season. I'm just like, really? Now we're going to do this? And they're saying we couldn't go into November and all that. And I'm seeing all the garbage of like a three-game series in the first round. Like, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Manfred's just, (laughs) oh, man. Oh, yeah. To to expand on that, um, I mean, it started since uh, the offseason with him calling the commissioner's trophy a piece of metal. Um, And then it's just uh, spiraled out of control at that point. To where he's he's saying like oh the MLB would have never done more than sixty games um, when he's you know given interviews with Fox Sports and stuff like that so I'm like how were they negotiating in good faith here I don't understand it there wasn't any good faith at all that was, that was such nonsense good yeah faith. Chris, get out of here with good faith That reminds me a lot of what you've mentioned, Chris, you know, of us going back and forth throughout before, obviously, they set the, you know, 60 games and we're going to get started on this date. It seemed to like the owners in general as well just were not 
negotiating good faith, right? It's kind of tough to, I think, believe sometimes what they say to the media because obviously negotiations, everybody wants their side. But at the same time, it's, I think, pretty clear that at some points, dude, they just weren't being honest. And it's like, come on, dude, we just want to see yeah, some baseball, yeah, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it, and it's almost like the yeah. players would come back with 114 and then the owners would try and repackage their 33% pro-rated salary in a different style. They weren't giving in anywhere, and then the players would go down to 89 or mm -hmm. whatever it was. And and still, even at the end, when the players were at 70, they said, we'll play 70 games and we'll give up our grievance. And the owners still didn't do that. Exactly. That's what it was. Like, they were down to 70. Like, they couldn't even compromise on, like, five games. And the players were on, like, 60. They <laughs> it was 70 and 60. I'm like, we at least meet at 65. And nope, it didn't happen. They forced the season just shows how far apart these two sides are. And, like, I don't want to cast, um, cast a dark cloud, but 2022 negotiations are going to be ugly going into that new agreement. I don't know if there's any way they could remove Manfred before that. I think it's really difficult. I think he's stuck with us for maybe three more years or something, I want to say. But it's just a bad situation, a lot of bad blood. And if they, can, and they do the expanded playoffs, I'm going to lose my mind if they agree to the expanded playoffs. Julian, I, that was actually my next question for you is, uh, you, you know, you, you hit it right on the head, dude. The CBA right now, the collective bargaining agreement ends in, after 2021. Do you think a new deal gets done or are we going to see, you know, more of the same? Literally, you just said it, dude, five games, they could have given up either side. We get an agreement. Instead, it kind of got petty. What is your prediction for a big negotiation that's like, you know, kind of the future, obviously, of what the well, MLB will look I like? What do you think? Be very interesting and those winter meetings in 21 are going to be very intense and i'll be there me and bobby are going to be in dallas next this year in december everything permitting as long as it all goes down as it should we got the hotel and everything and all that but like we didn't have to pay for it right away so if it doesn't work it doesn't work and i think i am going to get him actually he does want to call in so i'll end up get but i want to make sure we get to some fun stuff before we get him in here but with this prediction i mean i I mean, I think it's going to be ugly, but they got to play somehow. But the problem is that they need fans back in 21. If we don't get fans back in 21, I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. We can't have another season without fans. Yep. Chris, what, what do you think? Before that was, uh, <laughs> you know, Julian is hitting all, all my questions. Actually, he's like, do you think, first of all, there is a collective bargaining agreement, you know, get signed after 2021? What do you think, Chris? Because it sounds like Julian's going to, is already yeah, prepped actually yeah. for that um, trip and all. So that's on awesome. Twitter, on Julian's Twitter that he was in the, these last winter meetings, and I believe it was in San Diego. So that's super cool there. Um, but for this next, for nice. this upcoming CBA, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a knock them down, drag them out fight, especially if there's no fans, like he said. Um, because the owners will be even more panty pinching than what they were, and uh, it's not going to look good for uh, future uh, free agents and stuff like that. Everyone's going to hurt big time if there's no fans. Yeah, that's the bottom line here. I'm really hoping they get somehow get them back by September to playoffs at least. But this is such a money grab idea with the expanded playoffs. Like now we're going to try to do this like a day before the season because now they're freaking out because someone made a good point. They think it's because they're seeing that football's not having fans. They're getting nervous like there might not be fans at all. So they're just trying to grasp the straws to get more money. But it's just so ridiculous. 
So, Julian, before uh, my next question, I, I kind of want to add an extra one. Why are you so opposed to the um, expanded playoff idea? Is it obviously you said a money grab? I totally agree, dude. I think every big organization, as well as small, right now is looking for any way to get an extra buck. But what is your personal, like, you know, hate towards the expanded playoffs aside from obviously? Well, like, I can do an expansion with um, you know, like format. 12 or 14, maybe 16 is too much. But just the principle of how all this happens, and like, I don't want the owners, I don't want owners getting rewarded here. They don't deserve it, honestly. I don't want them to get anything out of this. They, honestly, like I'm just being real about it. And also, like it's gonna waste gotcha. more time. Like, and they say it's gonna make the playoffs worse, and then they might make a three-game series. No, that's not baseball. Like, come on. Like, this season's already weird enough. We don't need to add sixteen play six playoff teams to it now. Yeah, I, I'm with that, dude. I think a three-game series, what kind of series is that, actually? I mean, five is, all right, you know, that's got to be your minimum, so I'm with you there. Um, do you think there will be fans at any point this season? And Chris, as well, you know, what's going to happen, dude? I guess, uh, Chris, you can go first here. What happens, bro? Do we get fans at any point, or is COVID really taking over? I give Probably it the about, rest of 2020. Uh, what do you say? 10% chance right now. I think right. if if things go well, which that's a big stretch, um, especially with, you know, how things have been handled recently, <laughs> I think maybe 10% chance that, you know, we'll get like a uh, 20% capacity and it's like every fourth seat or something like that. Every fifth seat. I don't see how that's not, um, that much worse than like going to the grocery store, but I mean, we'll see. It could get worse. Yeah. That's the thing. I'll say I, I'll put it like a 25% chance, maybe even as high as like 35 40 because i think at some point people just have to start living again like we can't just be living in bubbles like and exactly there's what we're putting you're putting yourself more risk in other places than that too but i think it's just the optics of it the principle of it and i'm not going to get political obviously but i think that's playing a part in this and that's all i'm going to say really but like i just don't understand why we can't have fans even now in some spots like it's honestly you're at risk whenever you leave your house honestly if you're looking at it that way Yeah, I, I'm with it, man. I think uh, you hit it as well with the principle. Right, they just don't want to be <laughs> those guys, you know, that are, I guess, risking. Yeah, no, literally like, oh, for a game, yeah, and literally it game, is still a game. It's like you're going to risk game, people, but, but you go out. You can't yeah. tell me you can't fit like 10,000, maybe even 15,000 people comfortably spread out with enough space. There's a million exits. Like you can easily make it work, but they just don't want to. People are just scared and no one wants to try it yet. But someone's going to break that mold, hopefully. In football, some teams are talking about doing it. And that's going to be really confusing what happens with football because the Jets and Giants have already said no. And Eagles, I think, have said no. We have Falcons and like some Florida teams and Ravens talking about having like their limited capacity, not to change sports, but like it's kind of. I just I think you'll get it at some. Sometimes, yeah, I think especially depending on how everything goes, dude, we, we do kind of got to start living our life. So we'll see what happens. Interesting enough. So let's transition to the actual season. Uh, we mentioned it, 60-game season. If it goes it the will. full se season, hopefully it does. Um, it'll end at the end of yeah, it'll end at the end of September. We'll have October baseball like usual. Again, crossing my fingers as I say this. Assuming it all goes down, good to go. What is the difference um, for you, Julian, that this season makes in 60 games opposed to the normal 162-game season? 
you know, it's going to be a lot of getting used to. First of all, no fans. It's crazy to me watching all these home runs and just right into the seats with no one, no reaction. <laughs> right? The announcers don't even know to announce these games of the fans. Like, the telecast feats are so boring. Like, and I was just fault. <laughs> announcers, I feel bad for them, too, because, like, I do I do my streaming and stuff. I try to make it fun. But, like, without fans, there's no atmosphere. There's no energy. Like, what do you, what's, what are you feeding off of? Like, you know, like, it's just not the same. It sucks. And once the season starts on Thursday, watch Mercer pitch. They're going to have a million yep. strikeouts each. There's going to be no reaction to every strikeout. Like, what? It's just so crazy. But besides that, even just the fact that it's so, so fluky, you lose like three or four games in a row, you're in trouble. You get injured for a week or two that's like a sixth or a fifth of the season. Like, it's going to be weird. But I'm ready for it because it's better than nothing. Yep. I like yeah. it. I like it. What um, about for you, Chris? Same? The you feel the same? Games with the Yankees when they're playing the Mets and then when they're playing the Phillies. Like, at first, I didn't recognize that there were any fans, but then when they start hitting foul balls and home runs, I'm like, weird. It's just empty, empty everywhere. The ball is just falling measly to the floor after it rolls down the bleachers. Shout out Giancarlo Stanton. Um, yep. <laughs> but I, I saw that I think... too. That's what I'm talking about, partially. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the fake noise is interesting. Like, they're pumping noise from MLB The Show into these stadiums. It's just like they're cheering when they're supposed to cheer. And um, it's not that um, weird to me, especially because the, with the Yankees, they, they had it timed right. Julian, tell me if I'm wrong here, but the Mets were a little late on their timing. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, the timing with the crate, the crowd noise is very weird to me. Also, some games I've been streaming, so I haven't been picking it up. So I turn the volume off when I do those. But it's, um, it, I'm not, I'm on the fence about the crowd noise. Like, I like it and I don't like it. It's kind of cheesy, but it's also better than hearing nothing. So, like, I don't know exactly where I stand on it. I guess I'm for it rather than hearing nothing, though, if I had to choose. Yeah, except they got to get it uh, with the yeah, right timing, right, Chris? You make a good point, dude, because if it's a little late, you're like, it's clearly, it's clearly like late. At that like, point, it might be better here? to have nothing. But, yeah, the, in terms of the gameplay, it's going to be interesting. I <laughs> yes. personally think teams with really good offenses are going to thrive in the 60-game season since in a fully healthy season, a player might get 180 to 200 at-bats um, and a uh, starting pitcher like Garrett Cole might tow the rubber like 11 times, maybe 12 in a fully healthy season. So it's going to be a big difference between big offenses and then big rotation staff. Yeah, for sure. Chris, do you think that – do you think that momentum – I know you and I have argued in the past about momentum being a real thing or being a false thing. I personally think that momentum is real in sports. Um, obviously, it's an intangible. Do you think that no fans can change that, you know, and kind of like make it literally to where there is no momentum now? It's just baseball. These guys are playing against each other because I think the fans, when it gets, you know, in crunch time, dude, they can make a big difference for those either put the pressure on the pitcher or the batter depending on the situation. Yeah, what do you yeah, I'll take and that Julian, first. Same question for you. Julian. Um, it, yeah, I think I've warmed up a little bit to the idea like of momentum, especially with like with like crowd noise and <laughs> okay. stuff like that. Um, uh, 
uh, you're down 3-0, you hit a big home run, the crowd might get to the opposing pitcher when you're when you're like at a home game and now with no crowd um do, is do they still get as rattled after home runs or you just you know is it just kind of like oh that was just an exhibition mm-hmm. let me just you know continue doing my thing <laughs> yeah i mean that's a good point and people were even joking that it might help g out because he's gonna have to deal with the pressure from the yankees fans and like <laughs> i don't yeah. i think it might help pitchers honestly like on the road like if you give up a homer instead of like all the pitchers all the crowd going nuts and stuff all the momentum swimming they'll be like all right well i gave one up i could recollect no one's hounding me i just gotta go back and do my thing i made a mistake I think it's going to ease up a lot of pressure. Maybe we'll see some interesting numbers this year. Yep, I like that. That's a really good point, Julian. I, I want to see that as well, dude, when they just can collect themselves and, and just move on instead of getting, you know, <laughs> you know how the Bronx gets, dude, I'm sure. Yeah, real rowdy for those visiting pitchers. So um, l- let me move on to asking you guys actually about the threat of COVID-19. How will that, you know, um, affect if a player is sidelined with COVID-19? Uh, how will it affect the shortened season? For example, we know that, uh, so far, DJ LeMayhew, Luis Sesta, Aroldis Chapman of just the Yanks have already tested positive um, since the testing has begun. So what, uh, you know, what happens here if someone does get, um, you know, COVID-19? Yeah, Chris, that, go ahead I mean, first. What, what goes down for dude? DJ LeMayhew and Luis Sessa, it looks like they'll be ready to go for the season. I'm crossing my fingers, uh, seeing how DJ felt after the last couple of days, but yeah, it's just like you get it and you're out for, what, two weeks? And then you have to get more negative tests done before you can come back. Um, teams' depths are really going to be challenged here. Like, I know the Yankees are a really deep team. Like, DJ LeMay, who goes down, you got Tyler Wade, Tyler Wade, or Tyro Estrada, or you can move Glaber back to second if need be. Um, but a lot of these teams that don't have the kind of depth that the Yankees do, they might be in trouble, and just just because a player tests positive, there's really nothing they can do about it, even if they're being super disciplined. Yeah, it's really a weird line here, and the Yankees do have their issues, and Chapman is going. Um, he hasn't been able to pass the test yet, So, but the Yankees' bullpen is great. And you look at teams like the Mets that are struggling with injuries right now. Their depth isn't that great. Now they have Stroman down, too, so I don't know what they're really going to do. And that was like an injury, nothing to do with COVID, but you know, a lot of these player pools aren't as deep as the Yankees. The Yankees are close to 60. Some teams have, like, low 50s, high 40s, I think. I'm not sure what the lowest number was. I know some – I think some team only took, like, 51. Some team might have been, like, 48 or 49. But there's enough depth to get through it, and they'll be – it just depends how good the players are. Like, I don't think any team's going to actually run out of players. Like, I'll put it that way. But, like, what quality of players are you getting? That's a whole other question at that point. Good point. Okay. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see, Chris, as well. Great point, man. The depth is um, in the advantage of the Yankees, for example, in this situation. But the, it depends as well. I think timing, right? I mean, you get to the playoffs. Let's say you lose one or two guys and you never know what can happen. So um, that'll be interesting to see. We'll definitely obviously keep an eye on that. Now, let's get into the predictions for the season. So, we will go division by division, and then we'll move on to the wildcard teams in both conferences, and then um, we're going to – in each league, sorry, and then we're going to transition to some individual awards. 
And then, of course, we got to end on your guys' playoff prediction. So let's start with the AL West. Julian, tell the listeners your division winner and a short reason as to why All right, you think well, they're going to win that division. You know where I'm going with this because I said, unfortunately, <laughs> I have to protect the Houston Astros. As much as I hate doing this, but I mean, they're still the best team in division. Although you're gonna see, well, hopefully we see a little bit of what we saw yesterday with the um, Bobby's calling in right now. But I did like seeing them get plunked yesterday, so maybe the pitchers will get them. Hook Shahar, there's no brawls this year, so they could hit them. And the suspend. The only thing is, I don't know if anyone wants to risk the suspension this short season, but I think they'll get some early on. It'll be really interesting. Bobby, what's up, brother? We're talking about the AL West and how the Astros got plumped yesterday. <laughs> yeah, hold I, up. Let me get you better now. Say it again, Bobby. I said, what's up, guys? Yeah, I loved every second of that. So, who do you think is going to win the AL West? It's going to be the Astros again, sadly. Yeah, I said oh, the so same thing. To- we got two votes for the Astros, and I am actually going to be the uh, – I'm going with the Oakland Athletics here. I think they're built really well for a 60-game season, um, especially Ooh. if they start off fast, not like they usually do. But usually the by problem. the time July <laughs> – Usually by the time July comes around, though, the A's are one of the best teams in baseball. So if, if that holds true, I think they're going to push the Astros until the very last game, if not – win the division here they're just they're a good team they they don't make mistakes on defense especially and then their bullpen could play a big factor as well yeah i just know they're dealing with some injuries but okay. we'll see all right so sounds like uh, julian and bobby are both with the strohs chris is going with the a's what about uh, Chris, take us to the AL Central, and then we'll get Bobby uh, and as much as AL I want to say the Chicago White Sox here because of all the moves they made. I still got to go with the Minnesota Twins. They had the um, the record for most home runs hit in a single season. Um, they added pitching, and I just think they're going to be really good again. They're going to be tough to beat in that division. They're going to get a lot of easy wins in the Central, especially with the way the uh, the season is set up to where they're going to play a lot of the a lot of the Pirates and um, they're going to play the Royals, Tigers exclusively, so they don't really have to play the juggernauts from other leagues. So um, I'm going to go with the Twins here. Bobby, what do you think? Oh, who do you got, Julian? Go ahead, oh, all right. Um, I'm going to say the Twins as well, and I actually have an interesting question to pose with them. I think the schedule's too easy, although I actually think the Indians are a bigger threat than people realize. I was kind of down on them, but now I'm thinking a short season that their pitching might conquer. White Sox have some injury issues too, I think. I forgot who went down, but I'm a little isn't pitching. I think Mikado right. was in and out, but he's okay now. But I don't know. I mean – I think the Twins are the team to beat. My big question is, I know we got some betters on here, I think. Do you guys think that over 34 and a half wins the lock for the Twins? Over 34 and a half, you said? I that's think I'll bet. go with the I'll go with the over like 36-ish wins. That's that's what I'm going with. Hmm. I'm going to go with the Twins winning. Interesting. What about you, Bobby? Do you, do you agree I with Julian? I think the Twins are going to win the division. I just still think they're the best team in that division. 
even though the White Sox did make a lot of good moves, I just think that the Twins still are there. What do you think about the over-under? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with uh, over. Going over. <laughs> I, I right, like it. Yeah. Okay. And so, Bobby, you take us. We'll go back to you, bro. Who's gonna finish us off in the AL? Who who's getting in the um, AL East? Who who's gonna win that division this this short season? Oh come on! You know I'm gonna go with the Yankees, of course. <laughs> it's a cold. Okay, okay. Just gotta make sure. <laughs> Do we get forty wins? Yes. Yes. What we do you do. think, Julian? With the bullpen is still stacked without Chapman, I think that we're, I think we're gonna be just fine. I think we'll win the division, but it might be a touch under 40. I want to say we're right in that 38 to 42 range. And it just the only reason I'm saying that is because we don't start that hot sometimes. The beginning of our schedule is not that easy. We got Nationals and Phillies. It's our first um, seven games. I can see us going like three and three, like four and three or something, but we're going to see. I think they'll win the division regardless. So I am worried about Tampa Bay because they have a lot of good components for this short season, especially how they use their pitching staff. And last year, they were very close to us for like almost 60 games because me and Bobby were at the game that Gio hit the walk-off and put the Yankees in first place. That was like 50-something oh, nice. games into the season. That was like late May. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I think the Yankees win the division. It'll be tough with the Rays, and then we'll see what the Blue Jays do because uh, Bo Bichette is uh, he's a superstar, and that offense is going to be even more effective than it would in a 162 game season, in my opinion. Especially if uh, Ryu is the guy that they paid, they might be a really competitive third. But I'll take the Yankees. Um, and first, it's just too deep. We got the best pitcher in the AL. Um, we got the best bullpen and one of the best lineups. So, give me the Yankees. Yeah, I would say. Okay, so it, unanimous, unanimous Bronx Bombers taking it. We'll see if if they can do it, man. We'll see what happens there. Let's transition to the National League. We'll go NL West. Julian, Bobby, and Chris in that order. Julian, I mean, there's no cakewalk. It's the layup. I got to go with the Dodgers. They just signed Mookie Betts. That huge deal today. And that's really fans thought. Um, Red Sox fans thought they were going to get him back. A few delusional people like Jared Carabas out there actually thought <laughs> back to Red Sox, which is really funny. And the outs- yeah, but no, he was always going to be a Dodger. I told Bobby this, and you probably remember Bobby. When he went there, I said he's not leaving them. No. No, yeah, you did say that. Yeah, he's not leaving. I didn't think he would either. I thought he would be stuck there and he would stay. Yeah. And he won't. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers have the money. I don't see why they wouldn't pay him, and they did. So that's interesting. But, yeah, Dodgers are just too loaded. I don't think the loss to David Price will affect them that much. They have plenty enough pitchers anyway in the starting rotation. The lineup is arguably the best in baseball. The one thing I would say, I'm surprised they sent Gavin Lux down. I thought he was going to end up starring with them, but other, but they'll still be okay. Oh yeah, the Dodgers are so good. I think they're um, they're the team I would worry about most in in if both if both teams got to the World Series, but that's way far off. We'll just talk about the Dodgers now. That like even though they lost Ryu and Price isn't pitching. 
Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw is still a good enough one-two combo that no matter what happens with Julio Arias and their other starters, um, their offense will carry them. They'll have um, they'll have Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, and um, Justin Turner, uh, Jock Peterson as like their first four hitters. That's just righty, lefty, lefty, righty, and it's it's going to be really tough to beat them, even even in uh, other divisions, not just the NL West. That's another stacked team, and they've been there, what now? I think almost battling for the last four years at least. They haven't got, been able to get it done, so we'll see if this is the year. Uh, Chris, take us before we get into these playoffs. we got two more divisions, NL Central, man. What goes down in the NL Central? Who takes it this short uh, season? The NL Central might be the toughest division for me to predict, not because they're the best division, but because they have a, mm-hmm. a lot of the math <laughs> teams that could be good, could be average. Um, they might all have, well, b- besides the Pirates, of course, but the top four teams can all have like 30-plus wins, but not more than 34. Um, I'll take the Reds, though. I do like the way the Reds I... have uh, structured. Well, yeah, I'll take the Reds. Um uh, yeah, just kick it to Julian and Bobby here to uh, see if they agree with me or not. Bobby, his nose, and I'll say as well, I'm on the big red machine as well. I mean, we look at the pitching staff there. Sonny Gray was actually really good, as much as it pains me to say. Horrible for us. I mean, Charlie Howard's been all over the place talking with the Astros and stuff. He's starting to put a, have a nice stake in the Yankee win. A lot of the Yankee fans like him. I'm, we support him, too. I think he'll have a big year. He's kind of a put-up-or-shut-up year for Bauer. He's going into free agency. He's been talking a lot. He better he better show up. And then for the, the lineup's really good, too. Uh, they added Moustakis and Castellanos. And then the Japanese guy, Kimi, I think is going to be pretty good. So I think they're I think they're locked and loaded, and I really think the DH helps them too. I think the Reds are set. I agree. Yeah. I are, oh, go ahead, Bobby. No, no, I think the Reds are uh, set. I think they've really made big strides there. I didn't believe it at first, but you know, Julian kind of uh, really convinced me about this team. They're a force to be reckoned with. They're going to be around for a long time and be very good. And this year, you in the short season, you will see them. In the playoffs, I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I like it. And uh, okay, real quick, Hardo. so an- another unanimous. With, with sorry, with, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you go off. Ahead, I just brother. wanted to say to Julian's point about the DH, um, Aristides Aquino. He set the world on fire last year, and I think if the season would have started uh, in late March, early April, like it was supposed to, he was going to start in their system but now i think there's no um there's no reason not to have him as their dh every single night yeah the only thing is that he didn't make the roster. i'm not sure what his story is they didn't put him in the normal grouping i gotta check to see what's going on with him yeah because he didn't make the initial roster for some reason Um, he actually um he started off on fire and he really struggled i'm not sure why he wasn't with them and we also talked to a Reds writer, Trent Rosencrantz, who told us a lot about the Reds, so that was really interesting. And he definitely helped us um, believe in them more. Yeah, the lineup right now is Akemi Abado, Suarez, Moose, Castellanos. They have Winker, Galvis, Senzel, and then Barnhart. I'm going to be on the bench. Let's check. Yeah, while well, you check, um, 
shall we move on to the next division? Yeah, they have him on the bench, so I guess he'll, he could be in there at some point. Okay, sounds good. I like him. He was a good player. <laughs> yeah, I like him too. All right. So you guys are all high on the Reds, man. It sounds like they should be right there battling uh, in the NL. Let's finish it up with the NL East. Julian and Bobby, who you guys got in the NL East? And then Chris, close us out with our uh, division predictions. You go first, Chris. Okay, well, I think it's the Atlanta Braves still. I think that they're bef- they're definitely banged up a little bit. Freeman was out, but he's back. Will Smith, his injury concerns me. I don't know what's well, the COVID, actually. I hope he can get back soon because he's going to be important for them. Cole Hamels, I don't know what's going on with him. He hasn't been pitching at all. He might be missed, like, the season or a lot of it. Their rotation is going to get tested. Fulton Evitz is going to have to come up huge now. He's like their third starter. He was the ace at one point, but he's uh, falling back. Sorka is going to be big. Max Free was very solid. Uh, Newcomb's got to step up, too. They lost Felix Hernandez as well. So it's going to be tough for him to find that fifth starter, I think. Well, I'm going to go with this is a tough one, and my vote has really changed in the past couple of weeks, especially the past couple of days from what I've seen in inter-squad matchups. And I'm going to go with, you know what? I'm going to say this and call me crazy. I actually, and this is a real out of the box. I'm going to go with the Mets winning the division by one game. Mm. I, I think, you know what? Ooh, interesting. I mean, like the lineup against the Yankees didn't really do well in the, the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, games the other day, but I, I think, you know what, I think they could really cause some havoc. I really do. I think that their lineup is pretty underrated. And, you know, they're pitching, of course. You know, they don't have – but they do have the Grom. And I think that's going to be good for them. I just I, – I don't know why I have this feeling the Mets will, will surprise people in this 60 games. That's interesting. So we got we got the Mets, we got the Braves, and we've got the Philadelphia Phillies. That is my pick to win the NL East. I think Nola gets back on track to what we've seen from him pre-2019. I mean, they just went out and got Zach Wheeler. Jake Arrieta is still in town. If Vince Velasquez showed what he showed against the Yankees, he's going to have a pretty good season. And then their rosters stacked, um, of course. Um, you got Bryce Harper, McCutcheon, Didi's on on the Phillies now, Segura, Real Muto, and I think Joe Girardi is the guy to put it all together for the Phillies and get them that uh, NL East crown. So that's my pick. I really like your assessment of Velasquez. I was saying the same thing about wow. the other day. I mean, Velasquez has the stuff to be great, but he doesn't have any consistency. And you even saw it in a little bit in the game how he walked the two right. guys near the head, but then out the side. Like, that's like a flash of what he is, basically. Like, he has the stuff to be good, but maybe he'll put it together in a short season. You know, my only concern with the Phillies is Zach Wheeler because he might opt out because he's expecting a child, I'm pretty sure. If he doesn't Ooh. play for them, that's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, hey, we'll see how that affects, right? That's another aspect that we didn't really talk about is just, like, personal life situations with this crazy COVID. Sometimes it changes uh, the season. So we'll see what happens there. But 
that's the first division where all three of you do not uh, have, you know, a similar team. So the NL East will be a good one to keep uh, an eye on. Now let's go to the wild card. Bobby, who do you got in the AL, man? Who do you got wild card team for the AL? Uh, I'm going to go with the Oakland A's and I'm going to go with the White Sox. Oh, Oh, nice, okay. nice. What about you, Julian? I got to go with Tampa Bay. I can't deny the Rays. Like I said, they're built for this season. I've always been a big – even though they're on division, I respect their game a lot, and they're pet going on our side. Um, and my other one is a toss-up. I'm really splitting hairs right now. It's either White Sox or Indians. And I've said White Sox in all the shows, so I'm going to change for Indians for fun. I'm, I'll go Indians-Rays. Okay. That is definitely. Because and Clevenger put together a dominant, and their pitching staff could really hold out. And they still have Brad Hand the bull. And it really depends on Mercado and Framil's process problems. Well, not prospects anymore, but young players that could really step up because they, they need help behind Santana, Lindor, and Ramirez. That's the problem. It's really only three guys. But if those two, Mercado and Reyes, could help out, the Indians could make a spot. Yeah, it's something to watch, especially in the short season. I'm going to go with the Astros because I have the A's winning the division, and uh, I think it'll be really close. And my second team is going to be the the Tampa Bay Rays. Like you said, you got to respect them. They're always a thorn in their side. They find ways to win. Glass now, Blake Snell, and Charlie Morton are a really good, uh, really good one, two, three punch. Almost took down that Astros in the division series so we'll see they're a team to be reckoned with for sure all right so chris take us go back to back dude and take us uh, to your NL uh, teams. NL this team. is where it gets interesting i'm gonna go with the braves for one of them because i think they'll be a really good team i just think the phillies will be a little bit better and then i am going to lock in the chicago cubs in the other one i just mm. i mean that lineup that lineup in a 60 game season is going to do is going to be a lot better for them since um, I think correct me if I'm wrong here, but their pitching is what really let them down last year to where they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, That's the concern I have with the Cubs. I don't trust that pitching staff still. I don't really think you Darvish has much left. I'm not a big you guy anymore. And he's like their ace kind of man. Kyle Hendricks is a finesse pitcher, but the lineup can is the could be the best in their division. And if they can just slug it through for 60 games, I could definitely make it. So who do you got, Julian? Who do you got for coming you know, out of the NL? I'm going to go with the Phillies. I wanted to get some Mets momentum, but Marcus Stroman going down to that kind of kill anything I have with the Mets. So I'm going to go Phillies here for the wild card. I like their components, like Chris was saying before. The lineup's really good, the rotation. The one thing that they might have a problem with is that bullpen I'm not so sure about. Right. That might end up costing a little bit. David Robertson's also – Injured, not injured. Like, I think he may be back, but he's still struggling to get back. Narice is also a little banged up, too, I think. Or like, he's trying to get back. But I think he's supposed to start the season to close, at least. So that's good. Then I'm going to go Cardinals. I really like their pitching staff. Jack Flaherty's a beast. I picked him to win the Cy Young this year. Um, their lineup will be better. Goldstrom will bounce back. That division's going to be tough. But um, I think Cardinals, Phillies. Sure. 
Okay. And you, Bobby? Me, I'm going to go with a little bit similar. I'm going to go with the Braves. And I'm, I'm on the Cardinals train, too. I thought you were going to say that. And I agree. Jack Flaherty is Cy Young worthy. I'm really a big fan of Jack Flaherty. But definitely the Braves and the Cardinals. Absolutely. Okay. Bobby sounds sure on those two. I like that. I like the confidence there. Um, so that's the NL wall card. Now let's go to individual awards. Chris, who are going to be the MVP players? Oh, Take us uh, both me. Who you got? Um, which, for the NL, it's like, which Dodger player do I pick? Um, Bellinger or Betts? Or do I go Acuna? Uh, I think I'm going to go <laughs> Acuna. I have Betts. Um, I don't know how the transition is going to be going from AL East ballparks to NL West ballparks and then uh, different pitching staffs and such. And um, I think Acuna, but it's so tough. Yelich is there too. You can't forget about Yelich. Um, in the AL though, I'm going with Mike Trout. I, this is a boring pick, but Mike Trout, assuming he plays, which uh, we'll see um, if he. No, he's in. He's in. Mike Trout said he's in today. Is he in today? Yeah, Mike Trout's how he's playing. Okay, yeah, yeah, lock it in then. Mike Trout, he's the best player in baseball, in my opinion. And um, <laughs> if he gets the Angels to the playoffs especially, it's going to be a kind of a heroic season for Trout. Well, yeah, even in only 60 games, because somehow get that pitching staff to the playoffs, <laughs> the Anthony Award, because the Angels have no pitching. What about you, Julian? Who do you got? Since now Chris is, is confidence, bro, his confidence is up now that trial. I have an outside the box pick. You, I think you guys might do it a little weird, but I'm going to go Francisco Indoor. I think he has a lot to prove, and I could see him taking off in the short I season. Like I like it, yeah. Oh, and now I'm going yeah. with Christian Yellish. I can't deny him. He's just too good. The only challenge for him is going to be he's not going to have as much protection as Bellinger will have in the lineup. But Yelich last <laughs> year, I think you guys might agree, if he doesn't get hurt, I'm pretty sure he wins the MVP. <laughs> All right, so you're confident you got your Dodger on lock that you <laughs> that's going to win that one. Uh, what about you, Bobby? Who do you got? I'm going to go with Yelich in the National League, of course, and in the AL, I'm going to be a bit of a homer. I think Aaron Judge wins it. Okay, I like, I like it. it. All right. <laughs> Ooh, Judge. Hey, I hope that's true, man. I hope you're right on that one. Um, let's end these individual uh, awards before we go into your guys' playoff predictions, which is obviously the most important. Who's going to win the Cy Young? Bobby, give us your Cy Young winners, I'm brother. I'm going to go with Jack Friday in the National League and Garrett Cole in the American League. Like, Let's it go. sounds like the Yanks are winning the whole thing this year. If my boy Bobby was deciding, I like that. I, I got to like do the same thing. But for National League, I think Walker Buehr, Max Scherzer obviously will be in the mix, and DeGrom. American League, I might say maybe Blake Snell if he wants to wake up this year. We'll see. Lucas Giolito could be interesting. But I think you should watch out for Cle um, Clevenger or Bieber. It could be a dark horse. But I can't deny Garrett Cole, no way. I love it. Okay. There you go. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Yeah, so um, I'm going to lock in Garrett Cole. Um, I oh, think yeah. he's the best pitcher in the AL. 
Um, but the NL, the NL is interesting. Um, I could go Walker Bueller, like you said. Scherzer will be in the mix. Um, Jack Flaherty's a stud. Ugh, this is tough. Luis Castillo, if he has a good season, he was really good last year for the Reds. DeGrom, if he's fully healthy. Um, but I'm going to go with the Dodger here. I'm going to go with Walker Bueller, what we've seen from him in the playoffs. Like yeah, we, what we've seen from him, especially um, in those games in the playoffs, which he's the only Dodger pitcher apparently that showed up. Um, uh, let me lock him in as the Cy Young. Next up, we have predictions in the 2020 MLB playoffs. We are going to start with Bobby. Uh, in the American League wild card game, I got the. Uh, I'm gonna go with the A's. Okay. And in the uh, National League, I got the Braves. Okay, and then and, the divisional. The uh, divisional, I got. Um, let's see. So I, I'm assuming it would be Yankees going up against the wild card team, right? Or it would be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's you, you think we have the best record? Yeah. Okay, then yeah, we play A's, and then you'll get Twins Astros. No, no, it's gonna be Yankees Astros. Uh, the Astros and Yankees go to the ALCS, in my opinion. And, and then World um, Series. World Series. Well, in the uh, National League, I'll say Dodgers, Cardinals. Ooh. Dodgers, Cardinals, and I think it's gonna go into five games. Dodgers winning it. And the World Series is going to be Yankees, Dodgers, Yankees winning in seven. Well, that's a hotly contested World Series there. I like it. Uh, it's been a while since Yankees, Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> 86, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it 81? I'm not sure. It's, it's been a while, but it's, it's the World Series everybody wants. I think 81. I'm pretty sure 81. 86 was the Mets. It had to be 81. Uh, you're right. You're right. 86 was the Mets. So, yeah. I was thinking, yeah, 81. Okay. Um, Julian, you want to go through yours? Yeah. All right, brother. If you got to get going, I'll talk to you soon, and I'll go through my picks. Yeah, thanks, Have Bobby. Have a good one. Right. You guys later. Thanks for everything. Thanks, Bobby. Right. Have a good one. Okay, so... I'm going to go with my wild card. I put Rays and Indians. I'm going to say Tampa Bay finds a way and they get through. I think the Twins have the best record maybe because their schedule's so weak. And I'm going to say the Rays upset the Twins. Yankees beat the Astros in five games. Yankees beat Tampa in six. In the National League, I have what's my wild card? Phillies, Cardinals, Cardinals, Wankers, Flaherty's just too good. And then the Reds will play Dodgers, Cardinals, Dodgers winning five and not four games because it's a five game series. Reds, Braves, Braves winning five. Dodgers beat the Braves in six. And then Yankees beat the Dodgers in six. Okay, that's two votes now for the Yankees. 
Um, let's see if I make it three for three. Nobody can accuse us of being biased, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'll start with the NL. I'll start with uh, my wildcard teams, which are the Braves and the Cubs. I think Soroka will be too much. He'll be uh, just good enough to where uh, it kind of stymies that Cubs offense, and then the Braves will kind of tee off on the uh, Lester or Darvish or whoever's starting. Um, so I'll go Braves. And then so the Bra- it'll be Braves and Dodgers and then the Phillies and Reds. I'm going to take the Phillies over the Reds. I like the Phillies just a little bit more. I like the managerial experience here. It plays a big part as well. And then um, I'm going to go Dodgers over Braves in four. Just uh, like it was a couple years ago. I think the Dodgers pitching staff is too much. Um, Braves won't be able to keep up. Fulte Nevitz. He had, it was Fulte Nevitz that started against the Cardinals, I believe, when he gave up, what, nine runs, ten runs in the first inning? Yeah, that was that was Fulte. I'm pretty sure that blew up. So, And that's what's going to keep the Braves from advancing, yeah. As, uh, he didn't even give them a chance in that game. So it's going to be Dodgers-Phillies. I'm going to go Dodgers in six. I think they have a better bullpen and a little bit better of a lineup. Um, they're going to make it back to the World Series for the third time in four years, so I'm right there with you guys. And then in the AL, the AL I have, um, let's see, I have the Rays and the Astros. I'm actually going to go with the Rays to beat the Astros in the wild card game. I think Whoa. they can get, yeah, I think they can get enough from Glass now, especially if they're in Tampa and not Houston for reasons obvious that we all know. Um, well, but... yeah. Also, <laughs> also, will there even be a home field advantage this year, though? Will there even be fans at that point? Will it even matter? True. You never know. Um, if there's no fans, then the Rays will definitely be able to hear their trash cans this year. But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the Astros, they don't have Garrett Cole anymore, who won two games against the, against the Rays last time around. And I think they'll get to Verlander. So, yeah, I'm they got go... to him last time. Yeah, yeah, they did. And it was game four, I believe, to force the game five, right? I think, yeah, I yeah, think it was. That's what it, yeah, that's what it, yeah, actually, it wasn't one of yeah, because they pitched him a short rest. That's what it was. They were down, they were up 2 1, and they wanted him to close it out, and then he got lit up, and then they did. And because Grinky pitched game three, and he got lit up too, I think. They lit up Grinky, yeah, and they right. lit up Berlin. So that's what it was. And then Cole got them in game five. You're right. Cole got him twice. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the Rays this time around to get their revenge on the Astros. So that means I've got the uh, – I'm going to go uh, Yankees-Rays in the division series. I think we'll have the best record. I think the Yankees win in five. It's going to be tightly contested. I wish we could play the Rays in seven games, but in five games it's going to be tough. And then on the other side, it's the Twins and the A's. I'm going to go with the Twins to win in five as well. And then it's Yankees-Twins, ALCS. We all know what happens when the Yankees and Twins meet up. That's going to be a Yankees sweep, um, and it's going to be Yankees-Dodgers, Yankees in seven. That is my prediction. 
Whew. Okay, so we got all Yankees against Dodgers. World Series, Yankees on top. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you, Julian, for being a great guest on A Small Scoop of Sports. Um, we're about out of time, but we really wanted to thank you for hopping on, talking some baseball, some some uh, the craziness of the negotiating the 60-game season and doing some predictions. We wanted to thank your co-host, uh, Bobby, as well. Um, remind the listeners one more time about uh, where you can find your podcast in case they want to listen to all things baseball, which is uh, not a bad thing. It's a great thing to do. And drop your Twitter Twitter handle as well. Yes, yeah, so GNT Sports Talk with the acronym is our podcast on Spotify and Apple on Apple Podcasts. And then um, YouTube is Grunt Talks MLB. We also have GNC Sports Talk too. Grunt's is like the bigger brand show. So Twitter's Julian Gilardi 1. Also, if you want to follow my co-host, it's btoms81 on Twitter. And then Instagram's Julian Gilardi 11. And his is Bobby Thompson 81 I believe. So that is um, how you follow us on that. And I want to thank you guys for having me. We could do this more in the future. It's going to be a fun season. We're almost back. I just pray to God it doesn't rain tomorrow. <laughs> the Yankees could play. We could finally see cold pitch. I mean, he's amped. He's ready. I mean, I'm ready. Everyone else is ready. We went in nine months for Yankees baseball. Don't make us wait another day. Yep. Let, hey, let's let's hope everything goes well, man. And let's hope finally baseball is back tomorrow. So, Julian, thanks for joining us, man. And tell Bobby, I know you had to go a little early, but Tom, thanks for joining us as well. So, I'm sure we'll have you back on to see uh, what your guys' predictions were like, man. So, thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks for having me. So this takes us to the end of yet another episode. And as you've heard, it is baseball time. We are super, super pumped. We hope, again, that everything goes down, um, you know, without any issues, without any interruptions. We'll see how everything goes. But we definitely want to thank our uh, guests for joining today. Julian and Bobby, shouts to them. They um, had, I think, a great conversation great predictions and chris you as well man i hope um <laughs> I, you, I, chris. <laughs> yeah actually julian and bob you guys were awesome chris we'll see uh I, I don't think you know what you're talking about um but hey dude it's gonna be exciting right we we hope again everything's got to go down dude that's the only thing as long as it happens i think the results are whatever we need some more sports other than fights now right what do you think yep agreed and like you said hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you're thinking, wow, today's opening day. Let's listen to some baseball while we watch some baseball. What's better than that? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I like but you. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Chrismo2413. Thanks again to our uh, guests, Julian and Bobby. Um, next, next episode, look out for some basketball because some basketball – Looks like it might be starting up too. Yup. Hey, so far this last week they gave us an update that 
the bubble is working. Not only working, bro, it is excelling. I hope, knock on wood, that I'm not jinxing it as the I hardwood. speak. But <laughs> knock on the hardwood <laughs> so that everything keeps going as is. There were zero positive tests out of all the players. So that's literally the best we can do. Let's see if they can keep it up. And yes, dude, next episode, we're doing our basketball preview. See what happens to end this season. Dude, it's been a good one so far. Let's see if... Uh, this bubble basketball is something exciting to watch, man. So, um, again, thanks for sharing your Twitter, bro. And, hey, this is us, Kristen Heidel, Small Scoop of Sports, saying peace out. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of a small scoop of sports podcast. Remember, you can find the show on Instagram at small scoop sport podcast and on Twitter and Facebook at small scoop sport. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time. We out.